Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep broadcasting. Go to 3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. G'day and welcome to Stick Together, Australia's only national radio show dedicated to workplace and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the studios at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network. My name is Elena McMaster. Stick with us as we head over to New South Wales to talk about the latest electricity sell-off there. No one buys these assets to make a loss. And they will make a profit by running the business. And when they sell the business, it will be sold for more than what they bought them for. And that means that the price of running the business will continue to increase. Many countries nationalised the electricity systems in the first half of the 20th century and the reason for that was that it was recognised that governments were much better at planning and coordinating large uh, electricity systems and that they were better at raising money when the returns weren't going to happen for a long time. And the aim of governments in providing electricity was to be affordable, accessible and reliable. Um, so occasionally there was a bit of oversupply, but that was necessary in order to avoid the situation of um, there not being enough electricity and there being blackouts, which was politically unacceptable. Um, private companies have a different objective altogether, which is um, profits and dividends to shareholders. They aim at cutting costs and what they call efficiency, um, and what suffers is reliability and accessibility and affordability because they put the prices up. The recent New South Wales election was won by the Liberal National Party Coalition. This means that the 99-year lease of New South Wales Transmission and Distribution Network is all set to go ahead. On the show this week, we hear from Electrical Trades Union State Secretary Steve Butler about the impact of the sell-off on workers and the community. We'll also hear from Australian Services Union Assistant National Secretary Greg McLean about electricity privatisation trends across the country and further afield. First, though, we're going to take a look at the current trend towards privatisation in Australia through a global and historical lens. Professor Sharon Beda is the author of Powerplay, The Fight to Control the World's Electricity, and works at the University of Wollongong. I asked Sharon to start from the beginning... Well, it all um, began with the neoliberal movement and particularly in the UK where uh, it was driven by ideology that government spending and big government was bad and that this faith that markets could somehow do things better and uh, more efficiently. uh, And it was also supported by business because they, many... Uh, business interests or um, sorry, many business interests saw uh, the opportunity to make investments uh, that would be profitable and also the businesses that were big users of electricity saw the opportunity that they could 
uh, negotiate better deals with private companies than deal, than the situation they had with governments, because governments often um, subsidise the disadvantaged and um, people um, who are either poorer or further away from um, population centres. So um, the ideological movement was supported by business and um, it spread from the UK uh, to Australia and other countries around the world. Um, And in Australia, it was again um, supported for ideological reasons and promoted and backed it, supported by business. In Victoria, uh, the Jeff Kennett government um, privatised as much as possible for, for these same ideological reasons. But the irony is that this faith in the markets um, where it might apply in other instances doesn't apply for essential services like electricity and the experience of um, where you've got private electricity suppliers uh, neighbouring public electricity suppliers such as in the United States the, the public electricity suppliers inevitably uh, provide electricity um, for cheaper prices and in a more reliable way so there are decades of actual experience that contradict this faith in the markets. The other thing to remember in this debate is that the competition side, if you want to use it, that term is in generation and retail. The distribution and transmission system is really one where it is a regulated asset. So it's regulated um, and it doesn't move. So. There, oh, so there's little, um, comp- little or no competition, I would say, in the transmission and distribution industry. So in California, the wholesale prices escalated, and in some places where the prices were able to be passed on to households, their cost of electricity doubled and trebled, etc. Um, and where the prices weren't able to be passed on, where there was still remaining regulation, the supply firms were threatening bankruptcy and there was a crisis of electricity. And in the end, what what happened was that the California government had to take back control of the whole electricity market because, because there were such big shortages and price escalations. And um, despite this happening, other states in the U.S., followed suit with deregulation and and putting over control of electricity to the markets. And we have a situation now where in the last decade or so there's been increasing uh, rates of electricity blackouts each year so that now there's more blackouts in, in the US than there are in any other developed country. So, moving away from the States, um, I did want to ask you about uh, what happened in the UK in the 80s and um, how that's influenced public policy around privatisation of public services and public utilities in Australia. The privatisations in the UK under the Thatcher government were very much in line with the ideology of neoliberalism and um, promoted by the conservative think tanks. 
they characterise government control of services as government interference. Um, and although privatisation wasn't publicly popular, the Thatcher government promoted it because it preferred small government, uh, because it thought that raising money by privatising was more politically acceptable than raising taxes or cutting other public spending, um, and because it saw it as a way of diminishing the power of the unions. The public sector unions were very strong, and it, it figured that if it broke up the electricity system into smaller companies, then it would be much more difficult for the unions to organise and uh, would break up the power of the unions. There's power in a factory, power in the land, power in the hand of the worker. We've got um, a double barrel coming up here. One barrel is the AER determination. The second barrel is the sale, or what the state government are calling a partial lease of the New South Wales distribution and transmission assets. The distribution assets are Osgrid, Endeavour Energy and Essential Energy. Uh, the transmission assets, assets are uh, run by a company called Transgrid. Now their intent is to privatise, sell, lease uh, 100% of Transgrid and Transgrid moves high voltages, um, half a million volts, 330,000 volts, around the state of New South Wales. Um, the distribution companies uh, at Osgrid, Endeavour and Essential Energy come in and pick up from that grid uh, at uh, 132,000 volts and then distribute that power around uh, to homes and businesses in New South Wales. As I said, the government intend to sell or lease 100% of Transgrid, 51% uh, of Ozgrid and 51% of Endeavour. And they've said that um, Essential Energy, the rural network, um, will remain in public hands. Uh, so they've proposed to give a, um, a ruling uh, majority uh, two private uh, entities uh, for our transmission business, 100%, and our two major um, uh, distribution businesses, Osgood and Endeavour, and um, they'll sell those to the highest bidder or, or lease them to the highest bidder. Um, we believe that uh, that'll be overseas multinationals will come in and buy uh, those assets and that... Um, uh, the profits coming from those assets which presently go into consolidated revenue into Treasury to pay for essential services uh, will um, will be shipped off overseas um, as um, uh, dividends, profits, etc. So, um, Steve, just before we, we go on with um, just digging into the sell-off a bit more, can you just explain what you were referring to when you said the Australian Energy Regulation, Regulators' Determination, how that... You expect that to impact on in your industry and specifically um, uh, workers. Um. Sure. Yeah, well, the Australian Energy Regulator determina final determination, which was released on the 30th of April uh, 2015, in reference to Osgrid, Endeavour and Essential Energy, uh, what it does in essence is say that uh, 
the final determination says that those organisations have been receiving uh, too much money and that that money should be uh, drastically reduced by around one-third, uh, in some instances a little bit more, in some instances a little bit less. So they'll have one-third less the money uh, in which to operate the networks that they've um, operated previously um, and that, as a result, the CEO of Networks New South Wales, Vince Graham, has said that they will have to cut a significant number of jobs across the state to allow them to operate within that reduced budgetary framework. So um, uh, Vince Graham has now talked about um, uh, 2,500 jobs disappearing from um, New South Wales electricity distribution industry, about 1,000 from or 1,100, sorry, from Essential Energy, about 1,200 from Ausgrid, and about 240, 250 from Endeavour Energy. As a result of that um, money coming out of the bucket, these companies said they will shed significant number of jobs. You're listening to Stick Together, all about workers' rights and social justice. Every week on the Community Radio Network. You're listening to Stick Together on National Community Radio and we're looking at the privatisation of New South Wales electricity transmission and distribution with Steve Butler from the Electrical Trades Union, Professor Sharon Beda from the University of Wollongong and Greg McLean from the Australian Services Union. The privatisations that were basically uh, voluntary in, in developed nations like the UK and Australia were forced on developing nations uh, through World Bank loans and IMF loans. Uh, and as, as a condition for those loans, they were forced to adopt a lot of um, a structural adjustment package that included privatisations and this was in order to um, ensure that they were going to be able to pay off their debt by selling off their um, public services and also to give opportunity to foreign investors. And this caused, rather, rather than um, helping these nations, it caused them to um, have lower incomes and poorer services. Privatisation, for example, was adopted in virtually every Latin American country apart from Cuba. Um, and the opposition was such that many of those countries, as everyone knows, voted for left-wing candidates who were willing to oppose the World Bank and the IMF and their privatisation formulas. So uh, the structural adjustment programs that have historically been forced upon um, poorer countries in Asia and Latin America... Is that something that we're now seeing also reflected in the economic reforms that are expected of um, countries in Europe embroiled in the debt crisis, for example, Greece, um, at the demands of the, the Troika, the IMF, the European Union and the European Central Bank? Is that being mirrored now in, in the demands made of these countries? Yes, that's right. That um, It's happening again in Europe that countries that are um, requiring aid are being forced to privatise their public services 
and it's it's not just the development banks um, and the lending banks, but it's also various free trade agreements are enforcing these privatisations by locking countries in through these agreements that once they've privatised public services, they're, they're not allowed to renationalise without, you know, huge penalties. Mm. Um, and the other problem is that um, in countries like Australia, you know, when, when they privatise transmission systems, they government say, oh, well, we can still regulate and make sure that um, these companies provide reliable and accessible electricity. The problem is that by signing trade agreements that include investor state dispute settlement provisions, it means that any foreign corporation that invests in Australian infrastructure, including electricity systems, can then sue Australia if it changes the regulations because the companies feel that their profits are threatened by this, they can sue the government and get millions of dollars in compensation. And it's all decided by basically investment lawyers, private investment lawyers, and there's no appeal. So the, the privatisation you know, becomes out of control. It's not able to be regulated so easily by governments once these free trade agreements have been signed. So um, just moving back to the the planned 99-year lease or the, yeah. the privatisation, um, I'm interested in hearing what uh, you're all expecting to happen in terms of job losses or jobs created <laughs> but, um, in, in the New South Wales electricity industry, particularly, I guess, looking at the transmission network. I did read some research from the Australia Institute that they published back in 2013 that found that there was jobs growth in the electricity industry nationwide, including in states where um, generators, transmission and or retailers had been privatised. But they said that these were most mostly management jobs and right. talked about <laughs> okay. the ratio of workers to managers as changing from one manager to every 13 workers in 1997 to one manager for every nine workers in 2012. So, so what what do you expect you'll see happening in New South Wales? Um, and have you had any, I guess, any glimpses of that through the um, privatisation that's already occurred in the generators? That's a great series of questions. But um, <laughs> what I'd say simply is this: when we see privatisations take place, we see frontline troops taken out of the system and managers put into the system. Uh, that's that's a no-brainer. That's what we see all the time. So you get a greater proportion of managers who don't go out there and fix anything um, to people uh, who are on the front line, electricians and line workers and cable joiners and plant operators and drivers and and um, administration staff who actually go out there and add something to the network. So you get a bigger proportion of those um, non-producing jobs, manager-type jobs, and they're always more highly paid uh, than the frontline workers. So that happens every time there's a privatisation takes place. Uh, what we see happen and what we've seen happen already in relation to New South Wales, and it's really important to note that we don't profess to look into a crystal ball when we say what we say. We look at past um, areas that have been privatised and I'll go, I compare what's happening in New South Wales to what happened in Victoria and South Australia. 
Uh, we said that if they privatise or move to privatise in New South Wales, there would be one, job losses. Two, there would be uh, loss of training opportunities and jobs for young folks. And three, the, another important element, we said there would be price rises um, of electricity in the network if it's privatised. They're the three main elements we ran campaigns on. And what we've seen so far, they're moving to privatisation, hasn't happened yet, and about 2,000 jobs have gone out of the New South Wales electricity industry. This year, they haven't put on any apprentices in any of the uh, distribution companies, whereas last year they put on about 120 or 130. Um, so there's no apprentices this year. And also the apprentices that came to term uh, at the end of last year, they put on six-month contracts and their positions are now in limbo. They're waiting to come to trade. They're waiting to be allocated a job in those organisations. But because they've gone to this sale proposition and they want to get rid of people, then they're not putting those people into jobs. So a couple of things that we said, job losses and loss of job opportunities have come true, not because we guessed it, not because we're um, good at predicting anything. It was simply because we looked at what happened in other places. Those two things happened mm. in Victoria and in South Australia. Uh, we say that prices will go up. Uh, for exactly the same reason, the prices went up under privatised networks in Victoria and South Australia. Um, I also wanted to ask you about, uh, so this is a bit of a question from left field, so um, CFMEU State Secretary, Mining Division State Secretary Luke Vandermeulen, who lives in the Latrobe Valley, um, I've heard him speak previously about uh, what, you know, his vision for that valley is that, um, you know, post-privatisation when there's been, the valley's been gutted and there's been thousands of job lo jobs lost and the valley's still struggling, um, is to make it into a kind of a green manufacturing hub and create new quality, secure jobs for, um, for workers who are currently working in, you know, industries that are, are shedding jobs like crazy. So uh, I guess my question is, what do you reckon about our ability to create jobs uh, when um, major, you know, major employers uh, like the electricity transmission networks, the retailers, the generators are in multinational hands rather than state-owned. Yeah. Does that make it more difficult to do that kind of work? Uh, yeah, a great question and one that people, I guess, um, probably don't turn their mind to that often, but it does make it more difficult when these multinationals buy into these government um, organisations or publicly owned organisations, they do so with a different motive. The motive is purely for profit, uh, not to um, move and grow with the community, uh, but to um, stay really rigid in what makes the most money. So if you look at what might happen in the Latrobe Valley or any other hub like the um, Hunter Valley in New South Wales, as the production of coal-fired electricity becomes more and more unpopular and people try and lean towards a greener type of approach, then these multinationals um, aren't really interested in doing that. They aren't really interested in moving with the community. Uh, they're more interested in what's in the bottom-line profit for them. And if um, the alternatives don't provide profit incentives, then they're very unlikely 
to go with it, no lobby government to keep what's making their money in place. Uh, whereas if it's in uh, government hands, if the public own it, then there's a much greater capacity to influence um, those that control it uh, to look at those alternatives and those greener options without necessarily having a um, a uh, profit motive as being the sole basis for um, for existing. And, you know, um, the, those big multinationals don't care if the jobs are there or not as long as they're getting the coin uh, tickled back into the safe uh, back overseas, whereas a local politician will fight like all bilio uh, and influence everyone he can um, to try and make sure that jobs that disappear from old industries are replaced by ones that are created by new industries. So it's a really uh, strong question, something that uh, needs uh, a lot of thought and consideration, and I don't think that the governments in our state have done us any favours uh, by handing uh, these assets these essential services over to uh, um, multinational um, overseas companies. None of these businesses are ever sold or none of these assets are ever sold to make a loss. Prospective buyers uh, buy them with the idea of making both a profit uh, in running the business and then when it comes time to sell the business, they then look at making a profit um, out of the sale of those businesses and therefore what I'll call the base price or the, the asset-defined price is ever-increasing, which means someone has to pay more money to use those businesses, if that makes sense to you. So, in other words, if the uh, if states wish to buy those, renationalise those businesses, they would have to pay uh, far more than they sold them for? Oh, well, <laughs> there's a couple of things like that. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know whether any government in Australia would be keen enough or would go about nationalisation of them, mm. but trade agreements and other investment strategies um, and also government's willingness-political will, uh, I don't think it exists to mm. do that. Um, the alternatives, however, are what we're seeing in places such as Germany where large cities are now turning themselves off the, um, the national grid um, and are now operating their own localised electricity grid. And we also have heard of English towns taking themselves off the national grid and generating electricity locally as, as well. That's all we've got time for on the show this week. Thanks to our guest, Professor Sharon Beda from the University of Wollongong, ASU Assistant National Secretary Greg McLean and ETU New South Wales Branch Secretary Steve Butler. If you'd like to get in touch with us to tell us about any social justice and industrial struggles happening in your part of the world, or just to tell us what you reckon about the show, please send us an email at sticktogether3cr at gmod.com. You can also give us a call on 03-9419-8377, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Stick Together is produced on Wurundjeri land at 3CR Studios in Melbourne, and broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network to land stolen from Aboriginal people all over the country. We are grateful for financial support received from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Remember, if you miss the broadcast, you can listen to us streaming online or download the podcast at 3cr.org.au. My name's Elena McMaster. I'll catch you next time.
Thanks for listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. You can find us at 3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online.